Today we're talking about the cloister. Uh, you may not know what that meat word means. Do you guys know monasteries? Yeah, that's what we're talking about today. Um, the cloth. Yeah. Cloister. Mm-hmm. Uh, men of the cloth or someone who's part of a cloister. Um, what's the first thing you think of when you think of monasteries or cloister? Bald headed guys. That's <laughs> absolutely. Uh, in the Middle Ages, like I said, we're going to kind of transition into the Middle Ages. We're going to leave, be leaving. This is the last of the ancient church period because it starts around the 4th century, but we're removing into the, the Middle Ages uh, with the cloister. Um, there were a, a, a group of monks that had the shaved dome with the hair around the head, and um, this would have been uh, at the time of Martin Luther, the great reformer, this would have been when he was in the monastery, that would have been the wear that he would have worn. Uh, very what else do you guys think of? The robes. Yeah, that, that, that specific dress. Silence. Uh, a vow of silence was a very common activity. The dance club in Seattle. Not exactly what we're talking about today, though. <laughs> um monasteries or, or the cloister, these are um, where people separate themselves from the world for religious purposes. Um, I, you know, and this is not something that's unique to Christianity throughout history. Um, people have felt the desire in whatever religion or group they are, to leave the worldliness and the institutions behind and go into solitude or, or achieve some kind of personal holiness um, by ascetics moving away. I mean, even in, uh, like, we can think of some in the Bible, like John the Baptist or like Elijah. Um, you know, these people that that moved, went off and, and joined the Essenes, were a whole group of people that went off and, and joined what would be essentially a monastery. Uh, they were Jewish uh, separatists. And, um, you know, so, but, it, you know, but, you know, think about all, uh, some of the greats, like Buddha, who went out and, like, sat under the tree and decided he was going to be ascetic and, and fasted, and not the big tubby Buddha, that's, uh, actually, that's actually a combination of another of other traditions in with a the Buddhist tradition. It's kind of interesting because Buddha himself would have been really skinny. He would believe in fasting like all the time. Uh, he would not be the big tubby guy. Um, that was actually uh, something that jo- when they joined with other religions that came about. Uh, but um, yeah, but you know, society. And, and during times of, I guess, unrest, and, and remember, 
the Roman Empire is in decay and decline and destroyed at, during this time period. So you've got the whole world starting to fall apart. And so at these times, it's especially tempting for a lot of people to withdraw from that decaying world. The monastery movement, the cloister movement, has its start in the 4th century. Um, the laymen increased in numbers. Um, by the end of the 6th century, monast- uh, monastic uh, monasticism had deep roots in both the east and the west. So in 200 years, it became very deeply rooted in, in both sides, of the west and the east of Christianity. Um, and that was early on, the first, second century, uh, the fourth through the sixth century, very deep. And then they'll be actually see another revival of monasteries, even though they'll still continue all the way through the medieval period. They'll be a very popular era, era during the 10th and 11th century. Uh, that's the era of the friars that you think of in the 13th century would be the friars. And um, when you think about like um, Robin of the Hood, um, you know, the Friar Tuck, right? Yeah. Friar would have been during the 13th century. Um, and then, of course, the Jesuits, um, Jesuit monasteries. And we'll talk more about those people. Uh, they're in the 16th century, and they would have been a very important part of the Catholic monasticism culture. Um, and it still has a, a, an important point in the counterculture of the Christ, of Catholic faith. It's, there's, you can still go and visit monasteries. I know when we were in Kentucky, there was one not too far from us uh, you could visit. And, uh, and you can still go visit these places. They welcome people as long as you, obey, you follow the rules. And... Yeah, see the San Bernardino Mountains. There's another one. Yeah, I haven't been to that one. That'd be that'd be interesting to go to. Um, I said that repeating because people online they get mad at me because I don't repeat enough. And yes, I hear about it. I hear you guys. Um, think about your own life. What would cause you? To want to desire to, to, to lead a monastic life. What do you think would cause you to want to, to do that? So you were like, I wouldn't. I am not leaving my internet. <laughs> What's that? Pressure? Oh, absolutely. Stress, pressures, the, the desire to escape and go to a simple, more simple religious lifestyle. Absolutely. Loss, uh, your life is just not the same without that lo- with before that loss, and you want to go someplace that nothing reminds you. <laughs> the heal place of healing, absolutely. To walk with God, just desire to be to a call from God. Absolutely, you could feel a call from God, and there have to be. Um, all of actions in our lives. And in throughout history, take both a push and a pull. 
if there's just one, we usually don't do it. Sometimes, but usually don't. Um, this is really true in history uh, as you think about historical events, but think about your own lives. If there's something pulling you, say maybe a call from God, some people will just go because they feel the call. But a lot of times we need that push as well. God will take away something on this side that pushes us towards that call. Awakening. Very good. That's another good reason you want to be, uh, um, that uh, would lead you to that. You, you desire to be uh, awakened into Christ or, or I, you know, if we want to broaden it, we could say any religious aspects, but we'll, we'll stick to Christ because we're talking about Christianity. Um, but, you know, but once again, you need that push and that pull. There has to be something you're not satisfied with your life here, now, and that pull towards awakening has to both be there. Otherwise, most of the time, and I'll say that some of you guys are special, but most of the time we won't do something. History is all about that. Um, push and pull. It has to be both sides of our activities. Um, and so, like uh, the monastic, uh, uh, the, there's, there's, so we sit, talk about causes of monasticism. I'm going to give you some reasons that are a little more... Um, his, you know, we can prove in the his, history writings. Yes, they received a call from God, or yes, they, they felt the pressures. Uh, we don't really read about those in the letters. You know, those are, are more personal. Most of the time they talk about things like, um, well, uh, number one, the dualistic view. Uh, I'm not really crazy about dualism, but it very, runs very deep in a lot of our way we think. What, what, what do we think we think about? There's the, the, the flesh and the spirit. Two set, we talk about two separate things. I'm not so crazy about that viewpoint, but, um, but, we, but it's very much in part of our way, a lot of our way of thinking. And a lot of our teachings as, as well, we talk about the flesh versus the spirit. Um, there's the... Um, what well, dualism? God versus the devil. Which I'm definitely not against, for that opinion because... God is not in the same playing field as the devil. <laughs> um, you know, but, um, but we have that same way of thinking, that dualistic mi- mindset. And as people started that flesh and the spirit, the tendency to consider the flesh as evil and the spirit good, which we see some in the scriptures, you know, like uh, the way of the flesh is in the scriptures. And, and, uh, and, I, I really think that when we say, you know, anyways, I'm not getting into the theological debate on that one, but we, we see these kind of things that develop that the flesh and the evil, flesh is evil, spirit good. So in the Orient, especially, and that's the Eastern side, um, as, uh, you know, influenced by Gnosticism and the Neoplatonic movement that we have already talked about, um, it, it, it began to see that if we're going to uh, crucify the flesh, you know, like um, we're going to crucify the flesh, then we need to separate ourselves from those fleshly desires and this fleshly way of life. 
So the, the opposite of that became that meditation, that ascetic lifestyle. So you became this, um, um, so it, it became this very draw that I want to separate myself, right? We had this draw that this, the, there was a pull. I want to be separate from my old way of life. I want to go into, so the monasteries is a strong pull. I mean, early church fathers such as Origen, Cyprian, Tertullian, Jer- Jer- uh, Jerome, use celibacy, celibacy um, to, uh, as a way of interpreting the scriptures that, you know, cel- you know celibacy is the way, sex is bad. Um, you know, um, the original sin by, for many of these people was sex. Um, when it talks about eating of the apple, they use it as a metaphor for sex for a lot of these people. Um, and so they, you know, they, and so they, they, they desire that monastic celibate lifestyle that pulls you away from the world. Um, so there's this pull, but there's also got to be this push. And so there's things like psychological tendencies going on here. Remember I, I said the, the, um, when things are bad at home, Going somewhere else seems really good. And the Roman world is in decline, decay, destroyed. The barbarians are coming in and taking over. The, you know, you've got um, the mon- uh, martyrdom coming in, uh, you know, during certain points. You've got martyrs, you've got... Um, you got the union of the church and the state also causing problems with inside the church. So things are not so good at home and, and, and things are in decline. The, I talk about the economy. It takes a thousand years for the economy to recover from the destruction of the Roman Empire. And so things are not so good at home. So you've got this push. And then this pool of being spiritual and being awakened or being uh, closer to God or walking with God or having that call from God to be something separate. So you've got this push-pull that's driving people towards the monasteries. And then on top of that, <laughs> um, people are becoming more individualistic in their thinking. See, one of the reasons we, we misread the Bible a lot because we, the Bible is written in a society that's all about community and, and when Jesus was alone, that seems like the worst thing that can happen to a man because they're by themselves. You know, it's, you know, we think, oh, wonderful, I need some alone time. But for them, being alone meant you're, you're away from the protection of the tribe, you're away from the, I mean, it, you know, we read it with uh, individualistic mindsets. Actually, there's a wonderful book, Misreading the Scriptures with Individualistic Eyes. Great book. I wish I could remember the author off the top of my head, but I can't. Um, Yes, I understand that, but let's not go down that path. Even Jesus says that he went off to be by himself. Or he went into the wilderness alone. So let's stick to that. Let's not over-spiritualize everything. If we think that way, we're never alone and we're... 
Uh, that's that's that would be not how they read the how they read the scriptures. That would not at all be how they read the scriptures. Um, and so, but as the society becomes more individualistic, they read the scriptures with more individualistic, and this approach of the monastery means I have more control over how I get closer to God because I'm going to the monastery. I'm praying by myself in silence and in, or, and maybe joining one of the cloisters. And there's different cloisters that have different rules. You know, some of them are very much like uh, whip themselves because they, they I mean, they want to suffer like Christ. So they will whip the flog themselves with, and rip their back. And, they're, they're, um, and some of them are very much more you know, they just go off to be by themselves, and there's some that silence, and some that have the great Gregorian chancer in them, and, um, and so there's different kinds, types of monasteries. I don't want to say, like, they're all the same, because they're not, um, but it's more individual approach to God, more individual approach to salvation, um, and so it's not so much focused on the, the corporate worship, and so separating yourself into a monastery is drawing them. Um, um, you know, it's hard to say that um, anything is bad in the beginning. I don't know if it was right or wrong. I just still don't know. I mean, there's still some monasteries that are fantastic. I think we all need retreat from time to time, and some people retreat for their whole lives, and that's okay. Um, I just know they are. So I don't know. Some of them are very good. Some of them are bad. Some of them are. They are. <laughs> um, for some of us, being part of the world but, and, and engaging and witnessing is what it's all about. And then for some people, they just can't handle that kind of, you need to stay, they want to separate themselves and they need to separate themselves. And I don't know if that's wrong either. Um, We'll let God decide that. But um, some of these monasteries become very corrupt. Some of them are very great. And that's with all institutions, right? I mean, we can think of uh, churches here in the United States that have become so corrupt and some churches that are not. And look at our history books. I mean, um, so... Um, so you got this push, you got the pull. Uh, climate change is also another thing that's going. I know we talk about climate change now. Climate change was actually a thing back then too. Um, climate change is actually a naturally occurring event. The argument is not whether climate change is, is occurring. The argument is whether or not we're causing it to happen at too fast of an. That's the real argument is not whether or not climate is changing, because the climate's been changing forever. It always does. Uh, look at the year 1177. That's not really the exact year. But anyways, 1177, was there was a big climate shift that changed the way people farmed because they... Um, because it, it, the weather that was farming moved north. Um, I mean, these, these kind of things happen. And so climate change was actually happening then, too. And, and so as climate change happens, 
you, you know, as farmers, you have like, this is when you plant this crop, this is when you water, this is when, when the climate changes, you've got to shift that. And if you don't, people start going hungry. <laughs> and so as climate change is happening and, you know, it drives people to gather together in places like monasteries. Push, pull. Things have to be, there's a call, something better, or something different at least, but something that's not in the norm, and then a pull, a push from your life isn't working out the way you want it here. So push-pull drives people to monasticism. And they develop, um, let's talk about the development of monasteries. Now, I did not put this on the slides in here. You can see them on the notes in the app. Ha-ha! <laughs> um... <laughs> But it goes through real four major uh, stages that as it emerges in uh, Western civilization. Uh, the first stage is ascetic practices within the church. They don't just, it isn't like someone gets, wakes up and says, you know what, I'm going to start a group of people that lives away from here. We start in the church. People inside the church were... Um, living, starting to live ascetic lives. They was, you know what? Let's live a life that doesn't have all these frills and all the, all the blows and whistles and the more celibate lives. And, and so certain people inside the church, and they start feeling separate from the people that are inside, the rest of the people in the church, right? Because the people that are, you know, some people, and, and how many of you guys feel this in the church? Some of you are very, very religious people. Some other people in the church are not so much. And you feel kind of separate from them because they're not on the same level as you are. And that's okay. And some of you are, like, believe in giving to the poor and getting, not having a lot of stuff. So you give away a lot of your stuff. And some people are, well, not so much into that. And you start feeling a little different. And so, as these, so there's ascetic practice in the church, which will cause may, later many of these people over generations start to withdraw um, to live as uh, hermits. We'll call it hermits. You know, hermits. I think I put the word hermit in there. Um, you withdraw to live off by yourself because you feel separate from the rest of the people there. And so you, you, and you want to, and then of course you want to grow closer to God. And it's hard to do that with all the noise and the bustle of, I mean, we're not the only generation who thinks the world is noisy. <laughs> it's just different noisy. Um, because we've got internet and TV and, and radios and, and, you know, but they had people and chatter and, and work and, and so as people, they go off to be as hermits. And as the hermits become more, we'll say, holy, um, because they, they see the, the, the desire, like, oh, he spends all his time in the scriptures, all his time meditating and praying. I want that for myself too. So people start gathering to the hermits. Um, and they take up residence in caves and in, and like in Egypt where, uh, you know, or in Alexandria where there are certain schools, uh, there are red, there, you know, it's a desert place. There's not a lot of cold, so they can gather in these hermits. That's why it's not the, uh, like the monasteries don't like begin in northern England where there's, it's cold. No one wants to live in a cave there. They, they, it begins in the more 
temporary clearance where they can gather in the caves. And instead of before they start building regular buildings, they're living in caves and, um, and carving things. And so we get things like Petra. Um, and so they, they develop and, 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 and they look for leadership. And, um, and then the, the cloister for, uh, for, for common exercises might be built in the final stages that is that a monastery appears they build a building like the church and all gather there but there's instead of just coming to the the building to to worship they're living there and they're practicing there and they're all gathered together to be hermits together um, <laughs> um and and it um it sounds funny, but it's really what's going on is they gather together to be more holy and to be reawakened. And, and, um, and, um, and so it begins in the East in the 4th century and it'll spread throughout the Christian world. Um, if you ever get the opportunity to go on a retreat like even to a monastery for a couple, a week or you know even three days, um, you know it's not. It's actually a reju- rejuvenating thing. Um, I have not gone on any kind of retreats like that since these ones were born. I got to be a parent first. Right now, this is God's calling for me. Um, but at some point, Lord willing, they will be self-sufficient. And I will be able to go and retreat again. Um, and, and, you know, and I, I, you know, there is a healing to that. And I know some of you guys are past the point of that. So you guys could do that. And there's nothing wrong with taking some time away from your job, your life, and, and rejuvenating that way. And it's not like, oh, I'm going on vacation. That's not how you should look at this. It's like saying, you know, we were talking about fast on Sunday. If you say, I'm going on, like, if you're going to be with God, but it's a vacation, that's like saying I'm fasting for God, but it's intermittent fast. When you're going to on a treat or even to a monastery or, or whatever, you want to be focused on God. So it's going to be the, you're not on a vacation, you're doing something specific to, to heal yourself. That might include fasting, that may include uh you know, silence or whatever it looks like for you, but it you know definitely means taking a break from the world you normally live in and and retreating and uh, and and gathering yourself. And I know a pastor in Kentucky that he has one of his congregants has a cabin up in the woods, and so for a week every year he goes up to the cabin. This is paid part of his job. He's he's paid for this week. He goes up there and he he takes the week off. Uh, not for vacation, but he writes his sermon plan for the next year. Okay. And he spends the time with God, and he rejuvenates his soul and spirits. He goes up there just by himself and just to be by himself, and he fasts and prays and reads and, and stuff for the whole, for a week. Um, and he he really is rejuvenated by it. Um, like I said, I, I miss those days, but I know this is where I need to be right now. Um, but... Um, um, but um, 
but uh, yeah, so, but, but, you know, if you guys get the opportunity, I recommend, you know, take a break from this world, you know, don't go on vacation, go on a retreat. Um, it's, it's worth it. You can go on your vacation some other time. Go on a, go on a retreat. Um, you say, I don't know what to do. Well, there are different groups you can set you can hook up with that will like, like monasteries and stuff like that, that will let you come in and they will help you retreat. Um, there's Emmaus walks as well and other things like that that are out there. Um, so, All right. There we are. Um, yeah, there's a weird picture, huh? Um, this is actually um, a woodcut, picture of a woodcut. It depicts Marius, who was uh, said as for living such a, a penitent life, um, that um, because he was, he was known as a monk of penance, he, he was sorry for killing a mosquito. So he lived six months in the swamp, allowing the, the, the insects to sting him. Um, some monks take this quite a ways. Um, the first, okay, the founder of, monast- of the monastic is considered Anthony, who lived in 20, uh, 251 to 356. Um, there are of him, and I wish I would have put one up there. I couldn't find a good one uh, this morning. Um, of him, he, he felt like he was wrestling with demons physically. Um. At the age of 20, he sold all his possessions and gave the money to the poor and retired to a cave in Egypt. And he's considered the, the founder of the monastic lifestyle, uh, the monaster uh, of monasticism. Um, he gave his life over to meditation. He uh, lives a life of holiness. And uh, it gave him such a repetition that other, one, other people wanted to live near him in the caves that were near him. Um, and so, um, and so he, he began, and you can read his, he actually, there's a, the Athenaeus, another guy we've already talked about. Uh, he wrote a biography of the life of Anthony because he was so impressed by, by, by Anthony that, um, um, uh, but yeah, so some of them, like he, he was upset for killing Mosquito and, um, there's another there's that friar robe that we're, we're so used to thinking about. This would have been much older, much uh, older uh, time period. Uh, monks considered women to be a source of temptation. And so this picture depicts, uh, to dispel his temptation, the monk is burning away his, his, the remaining fingers and thumb of his right hand um, to a stump so that he may not be tempted by the women. So when it says, if you're tempted, cut off, it's better to cut off your hand, they're taking it literally. In this case, he's burning it off. Some monks go to extremes. But this is not uncommon either, in, no matter if it's Christian or Buddhist or... Um, um, 
some of you guys are around. You remember the Vietnam War where Buddhist monks lit themselves on fire in protest of the, the Vietnam War? Some of you are old enough to remember that. I, that that's before me, but some of you guys uh, remember that. Um, But not all were like, uh, you know, and some were, um, you know, Anthony lived in a cave and people were drawn to him. There was a man named Simon of, uh, of Stilite. Um, he lived um, for several months buried to the neck. Um, that he decided to achieve holiness by becoming um, a, you know, um, Ecclesiastes pole sitter. Um, there was another one who spent, uh, uh, you know, he also uh, was a pole sitter. He spent over 30 years on top of a six-foot pole in, near Antioch um, to, to get um, uh, holy. There's other monks that we hear stories of they living off the field, grazing grass in the matter of cattle. Um, one who... Uh, never undressed or bathed. Um, another went naked in the vicinity of Mount Sinai for 50 years. Um, as you're reading it, more of the fringe ones, the weird ones, you know, those can be found in the Eastern Orthodox than they can the Western. Um, but not, not solely there. The communal or social type of mass, the uh, Kenobite monasticism uh, appears first in Egypt, um, and then we'll travel on from there. And uh, you know, people will live a simple life de- dedicated to um, devotion and obedience to God. Um, in the West, um, with a different climate. Um, it actually becomes more important that they gather together. So you'll see less like fringe, like solo people living off a pole sitting because the weather's different. You're not in a temperate where you can be out by yourself. You have to gather together for warmth. Um, So, um, and to provide for food. So uh, monasticism spreads actually quicker, even though you have like the monastic lifestyle starting in the East, it really becomes a Western thing very quickly because they gather together quicker. So you have more hermits in the East, and then it becomes more what we know as monasticism um, because of the, um, the, they need to gather together for warmth. This actually is a picture of the ruins of Benedict Abbey, found uh, found in 654, by, uh, founded sorry, in 654 by Saint Philbert. The church was built um, in France. This is a picture of a church in France. Uh, and. Um, and so um, you'll see these kind of churches pop, uh, pop up from time to time, these monasteries. And this is kind of more what we think about when we think about monasteries because this is what our movies depict, right? These kind of buildings. 
as they go off. And we don't think about the eastern side so much, the living in the caves and stuff like that. That's, that's not really what we think about. We think about these kind of buildings where, um, where they go and, and they, they read the Bible with their, their monks and, and, and sing their songs. Um, Yoga is actually a practice from the Hindu religion, not from Christian monasticism. Um, that is something completely different. Uh, exercise was not... Um, there has been no movements or, or, or that have been associated with monasticism altogether. Um, there have been different groups that have introduced some form of movements, but for the most part, movements themselves have not. Um, right now, uh, MMA is actually the closest thing to the largest thing for Christians, um, mixed martial arts, um, because it doesn't hold to any of the religious practices of uh, any of the other religion of martial arts. Um, so more Christians practice MMA than anything else. But... Um, but yes, yoga is uh, something that comes out of the Hindu religion. Um, the greatest leader of the Western monasticism would have been Benedict of Nursa. Um, as Rome becomes the head, he's going to live as a hermit in the uh, mountains east of Rome. In 529, he's going to found the mon uh, monastery of, of Mont Cassino. Um, yeah, it's spelled like Cassino, which will survive until World War II, where it's destroyed by bombardment in World War II. By, um, but um, so it's going to last all through the Middle Ages, where we're going to think about these kind of places. By the seventh century. England, Germany, France have become almost universal. Um, by the time of Charlemagne, it's, uh, you know, um, monasteries are, are very popular. Um, as you think of monasteries, what do you think, uh, you think good or bad? What you guys feel on the matter? Good? Indifferent? They're both. They do serve a purpose in our world. Absolutely. Um, in monasteries, we can actually thank monasteries for several things throughout history. Um, in the medieval term, which we're going to next next week, we're going to start the medieval period. Um, the the uh, monasteries are going to our uh, experimental farm. They're going to demonstrate better methods of farming and agriculture. Um, they're going to clear forests, drain marshes, make road, improve seeds, breed of livestock. Um, they're going to um, uh, farmers are going to and then farmers are going to emulate that. Obviously, they're going to see what the monks are doing. Um, monasteries help keep scholarship alive during what we call, I'm going to put this in quotations because I'm not a fan of it, but the dark ages. 
um, what we call the Dark Ages between 500 and, and 1000 uh, AD, AD 1000, uh, uh, 500 to 1000 is considered the Dark Ages. And monasteries um, keep scholarship alive. See, what happens in that time period is a lot of people blame the Dark Ages on Christians. But it's so much more complicated than that. They say, well, they took away that. No. See, the barbarians were disrupting life in the Roman areas. The Roman Empire is falling apart. The economy has crashed. They're still holding on to slavery. Um, feudal systems coming into place. Um, there is a turn away from all the great things, they're going to put it on emphasis on the Bible because of the monasteries, right? So there is going to be a great emphasis on the monasteries. The church has been taken over a lot of the government, so there's going to be a, there is going to be a, a, a hatred for some religion, uh, by some, not a lot of them actually. So they're, but they're going to keep scholarship alive. They're going to teach people how to read. Monks are going to copy precious manuscripts. We have even secular manuscripts. We have them because monasteries copied them. Um, we have, um, you know, beautiful works that they've done. Um, Um, I don't know if it's just behind them doing it because they'll be a lot longer around than the first person. The first person probably started it was good, you know. And some of them get corrupt. That happens. Uh, some of these monasteries will become very evil places where bad things happen. Um, unfortunately, that's reality. Um, but... Many of these places are, are places of safety um, in dark times. And this a leader, some, some places these, these monasteries serve as the hospital. Or uh, when they're in famine, the monks have food. Um, a place of refuge. So some of them are very good. Some of these are very good. But unfortunately, a lot of times the ones we see in the movies are based off of uh, the bad ones. <laughs> um, you know. Um, and because monasteries do become very wealthy um, because they're very thrifty and um, but some of the communities become lazy gluttony creeps in desire to have more money um Some of them become more hierarchical, and they become more like um, administrations than mon monasteries, and they, they're the ones who force their people into poverty while the monks themselves live in, in riches. So we have some bad, bad seeds out there, um, uh, but we do have some wonderful things that they have done. Um, so, um, 
I would say they grew the the Mennonites and and, and the, they grew out of a desire for that kind of lifestyle. Yes, I don't know if they I don't know if I could say they grew out of directly out of this lifestyle, but they grew out of the desire for that kind of lifestyle. Any other questions, comments, concerns? All right, we're going to pray and we're going to call it for the night. How's that sound to you guys? Some of you guys are like, yes. <laughs> All right. Father God, we praise you today, Lord. We thank you for this wonderful blessing, Lord. We pray that um, we may emulate the good, mourn the bad, and stay away from it. Lord, thank you for showing us uh, how, how we may grow closer to you. Lord, help us remember to take that time of rest. As you have commanded you were, that we do take times to rest, Lord. Uh, and remember that we need to be closer to you. But Lord, help us to be in this world, but not of it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, next week, medieval period starts. <laughs>